Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Today, Detroit Today kicks off three hours of special election coverage here at WDET after we're done in the studio here. We're going to have special election coverage featuring lots of different WDET personalities all the way through till noon. So you're going to want to stay tuned. Not that you don't normally, but uh, especially today, you don't want to stay tuned to the station and listen to what all the information we have for you about tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, being Election Day, one of the most important election days I can remember in history. Uh, We are talking all day today, of course, about tomorrow, about the election that uh, we are all going to the polls to take part in tomorrow. And uh, a little later, we're going to talk, we're going to go circle back to the question about the Regional Transit Authority. We've been talking lots about that. We had a show last week uh, featuring some folks from uh, both sides of that uh, of that issue here in the studio. We're going to go back to it later in the show today with two more principles uh, on on that issue because it is such an important decision that we are making tomorrow. But up first, we've had many visits to Michigan from the campaigns for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, including the candidates themselves over the past few days. We don't normally see that here in Michigan, but both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and many of their principal surrogates have been in Michigan and especially the Detroit area over the over the last few days. It's clear that the two campaigns view Michigan as a must-win state and that they may think it's actually, quote, in play. And that's a little curious because Michigan has voted for a Democrat for president in every election since 1988, and Trump has never led major polls in the state this year. But of course, Michigan is home to the so-called Reagan Democrats, a different kind of working-class voter generally rooted in places like Macomb County, uh, which for many, many decades was strongly Democratic, and Ronald Reagan was able to appeal to those voters and turn them toward the the Republican Party. Is Donald Trump that kind of Republican? Is he like Reagan in the sense that he can get people who ordinarily vote Democratic, or at least are open to the idea of voting Democratic, and get them to vote for him? Could he make Michigan a swing state once again in this election? Here to talk about that is Tim Alberta, the chief political correspondent for the National Review. Tim, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I was going to say, this is this is the end for you, right? Uh, <laughs> what was it been? Uh, 12 months of of campaign coverage for you? Is that about right? Uh, you closer to closer to 18. Oh. Yeah, it's, oh. it's, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself about a week from now. It's it's um maybe you know. I'll go home. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to see my wife and I'm going to see my kids. And I'm going to sleep in maybe and yeah. it's going to be lovely. Uh yeah. but I haven't even it's it's actually feels a little bit surreal that we're this close to the finish line, and uh, but but I'm certainly grateful that we are. I think I think all of America is grateful that we are at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, listeners, all day today, I want to hear from you about the one word you're thinking about in reference to tomorrow. What's the word? What's the word that describes your feelings about tomorrow? Is it elation? Is it 
resignation? Is it just uh, is it just uh, a tiredness? Is it just uh, exhaustion? Uh, what's the one thing that's on your mind as you get ready to try to go to the polls? Tomorrow, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and post a comment there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Tim Alberta, let's talk about all of the attention that Michigan is getting in these last few hours before people go to the polls. I have paid attention to Michigan politics for 25 years or so now. Um, I have never seen a presidential candidate show up here in the last week before balloting. Um, and, of course, we've seen both of the candidates, and I, uh, not just the, the candidates themselves, but principal surrogates. I mean, Bill Clinton uh, was here. Mike Pence, the vice presidential candidate on the Republican side, was here last week. What is going on? Is this a real contest for the state of Michigan, or is it that Trump is desperate and needs a breakthrough somewhere in the North and that uh, he's here in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania? Because if he can't peel one of those off, he doesn't really have a path to the presidency. Which which one is the more accurate description here? So the, the more accurate description is, is the latter, uh, Stephen. And um I will I will issue this caveat that that I have had uh, high-ranking Trump Pence campaign officials, uh, some some of the folks inside that operation who who are sharp and who I respect and who uh, you know are are good with data have have told me for months that Michigan and Wisconsin, both of which have disproportionately high numbers of white working class voters. Uh, who are sort of the core Trump audience, that those states uh, have been tight and have been tighter than the, than the public polling would show and that they have been, you know, that they have been consistently tighter uh, than anyone would expect. So I think uh, all along, um, you know, Trump Tower has kept an eye on those two states in particular and has continued paying pretty frequent visits to them, uh, despite the fact that they are, you know, part of the blue wall, states that have not gone uh, red in decades and, and states where, you know, Democrats are, are very firmly entrenched as far as in presidential years having a, a grip on the, on the state. What's interesting is that you know, the, the fundamental electoral math for Donald Trump, as far as how he gets the 270 votes, it really hasn't changed. He has to flip Florida. He has to flip Ohio. He has to flip a couple of smaller states such as Iowa and possibly New Hampshire. But he still needs one bigger state to get him across the finish line. Uh, and Pennsylvania was supposed to be that state. Trump and Pence have spent enormous time and resources in that state. It's just not happening there. They, they, they consistently trail by anywhere from four to six points there. And Pennsylvania, while it does have many white working class voters on the west side of the state, it also has a booming suburban population that's very diverse on the east side of the state in the Philadelphia suburbs. So all of that is just to say that it's very, very difficult for the Trump-Pence campaign to win the White House if they don't get an, another 9 to 15 electoral votes somewhere on this map. And that's why when they look around, 
you know, they're not going to get it in Wisconsin. All, all of the polling recently in Wisconsin shows that they're down anywhere from five to seven points. It's probably, it's probably impossible there. Michigan is a really interesting case, Stephen, because if you look at the national trends with turnout among black voters down so far in the early voting period, and enthusiasm for Hillary Clinton down significantly from what it was for Barack Obama in the last two campaigns, if you look at Michigan and you're a member of the Trump campaign and you say, look, you know, Hispanic turnout is surging in a number of these states, but there's not a big Hispanic population in Michigan. Right. There's a lot of working class whites. And if black turnout really plummets on Election Day and there's no early voting period, mind you, that, you know, there could be this sort of perfect storm where maybe we could steal Michigan and win that state by one or two points. I think that is the calculus there. It is certainly a long shot, but you can understand why they're looking at it. Yeah. And and it, I think optically it it suggests perhaps that the state might be more in play than it actually is. As I said in the open, there's no poll, no major poll that shows Trump with with a lead in Michigan. And he has not ever had a lead in Michigan, which typically is a sign that you aren't going to win. I mean, very rarely do you go into Election Day with no polls that say you're going to win and then come out with a victory. That's exactly right. So not only has Trump not led in a single public poll of Michigan going back to July, I believe, when they started polling the the general election there. So we're talking about, you know, dozens of polls where Trump has never once led Hillary Clinton. But for months, Stephen, uh, Trump never even topped 40 percent in a single poll of Michigan. Only only in the last, I think, six weeks or so did he start to regularly hit, you know, 40, 41, 42 percent. But his average in the real clear politics um, average, which, which which just looks at like the last five or six polls taken, I think he's at forty point five percent, or maybe rounding up to forty one percent. I mean, that is that is an anemic number. Now, granted, Hillary Clinton, I think, is only four or five points ahead of him, so she's in the mid forties, which isn't very good either for a, for a major party nominee if she's expected to win this state that's so reliably Democratic in in general elections. But the point is, you know, we see no evidence. Uh, of any sort of Trump surge in the state. And what's what's especially interesting is, you know, you talked about, you know, Reagan Democrats in, in the 1980s, and, and could Trump sort of pull off a similar phenomenon? Well, the interesting thing about the Reagan Democrat phenomenon in Macomb County is that it was it was very much visible. It was it was seen that, you know, Stan Greenberg, the, the, the Democratic pollster who coined mm-hmm. that term and who did the study in Macomb County, you could they could see these people switching from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party in mass. And, and it was a it was a it was a visible manifest uh, thing in front of their very eyes. And that's why it got so much attention. We don't see that. Uh, in Michigan, we, we, you, you know, we would have numbers to bear that out. We would see data very clearly pointing to some sort of trend that we should be paying attention to. That just hasn't been the case. So, you know, we could be in for some huge surprise, you know, and of course, Trump supporters will say, hey, you know, Hillary lost there in the primary when sure. all the polls showed her ahead. We could certainly see that, I suppose. I just think it's very, very unlikely. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Tim Alberta. He's the chief political correspondent for the National Review. We are talking about the day before Election Day, all the attention that Michigan is getting at this point, attention that we don't normally see for this state this close to actual balloting. Does that mean Michigan is in play? Does it mean Donald Trump can pull off a win after never 
leading in the polls in the state. Uh, give us a call, 313-577-1019 if you want to join the conversation. What do you think of all this attention we're getting? Have you gone out to some of the rallies for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? And what is the mood of the people that you're seeing at these rallies? Uh, also, all hour today, give me one word that you're thinking about tomorrow. One word you're thinking about going to the polls tomorrow. Are you elated that you're going to go vote for somebody that you're really excited about? Are you just exhausted because this has been such a long campaign or are you just resigned? Are you just sort of uh, going and and doing what you think you have to do and you're not absolutely enthused about it? Uh, Or come up with your own words to describe your feelings today. 313-577- 1019 is the number, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, leave your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We will try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Let's go to Tim. Tim in Royal Oak. Welcome to Detroit Today, Tim. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Absolutely. Go ahead. So, um, shifting. I think that's that's my word right now. Um, Shifting? Shifting, yeah. yep. Okay. So traditionally I've been a staunch Republican, but um, I really can't align my values with Trump, and um, nor can I align my values with Hillary, so I think <laughs> third party is going to be my uh, my choice this yeah. time. Yeah, and which yep. which of the third party candidates uh, for you is, is the one that, that seems most appealing? See, that's where I'm shifting. That's really where <laughs> You're I'm not shifting. sure yet? <laughs> You got 24 hours, Tim. <laughs> I got 24 hours to completely uh, make my decision. But, um, I, I love that word, though. I, th- I think that's a that's a. I think there there are probably a lot of people who would reflect that same that same feeling today. They're not quite sure. They're or or even if they're sure about what they're going to do, they're not sure how they feel about it. Uh, I, I think there are a lot right. of yeah. Uh, Lingering. Yeah, do I vote my values or do I just kind of go with what's the best of the worst? Yeah. You know, so yeah. It's, yeah. No, I no. Think I think it feels that way, but yeah. yeah. All right, Tim, thanks very much for the call. Uh, let's go to Marie in Roseville. Marie, welcome Hi. to Detroit Today. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Um, well, you asked for one word, but I think it's two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a born-again revolutionary. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. That's a very strong feeling. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad about it. I'm a child of the 60s, so I'm an old lady. Uh-huh. And um, we went through all of this. And to see that it's still here, that horrible, you know, division of people, and um, it, it's very disheartening, you mm. know. So I, I guess I've got to, you know, kind of put that mantle back on i mean you know in a good way but still yeah i I guess i had several years of comfort and being naive about it but it's alive and well yeah so are we going to find you in the streets tomorrow marie is that what you're saying (laughs) instead of oh yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) Uh, well you know definitely i'll be at the polls as soon as they open and um you know uh i will still go the political route but i'm i'm 
I, I'm just not, I've been awakened, I guess, yeah. reawakened, and I don't really like it. Yeah. All right. Reawakened, that's a good word. That's I was going to say that, but it wasn't strong enough. <laughs> that's, not, that's right. Okay. All right, Marie, thanks very much uh, for that call. Uh, Tim Alberta, uh, we, we are still seeing this attention today, the day before the election here in the state of Michigan. Um, are, are, are other states experiencing that much attention as well? I mean, other states that typically don't see candidates this late in the cycle? Well, Michigan is certainly the strangest case, Stephen. Uh, You know, you you touched on this earlier, but I I think, you know, your listeners really need to appreciate how how, uh, bizarre this is and and how uh, atypical it is for the two nominees and some of their highest ranking surrogates to be spending this much time in Michigan so close to the election. I mean, for somebody, for, for Donald Trump to swing through Michigan the day before Election Day yeah. uh, is, is pretty extraordinary. And, you know, it does, it does speak to the fact, you know, all, a lot of these states now uh, have long, long periods of early voting. And almost every other state has at least some period of, of early voting, uh, either by mail or in person. Um, Michigan does not, and, and that really that, yeah. that 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 is a huge factor in why the campaigns are spending so much time in Michigan close to election day, and on the Democratic side, especially where you want to turn out low propensity voters in Flint, and in Saginaw, and in Detroit, some some of these communities where there is a, a grave fear among Democrats that with Barack Obama not on the ballot for the first time in eight years, that you will see a huge drop-off, especially among African-American voters. And if that happens, then that could breathe life into the Republican Party to win a state that, again, they haven't won in a couple of, in, in almost three decades now. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's worth keeping in mind, too, that you know, Mitt Romney w- w- launched his 2008 presidential campaign you know, outside of Detroit and yeah. played up his, you know, native Michigander roots. And then four years later, he was the nominee, of course, and he spent a lot of time in Michigan. And, and he had, you know, the entire state Republican Party was essentially like an outgrowth of his like family apparatus. And, and they really campaigned pretty hard in the state and were well organized. And they lost by nine and a half points here uh, or there, yeah. I should say. So, you know, it's, it's just so difficult see Trump being able to break through the, those decades uh, of, of blue in the state. Um, but as far as other states, no. I mean, you're basically seeing the, the same three or four states that, are, that have been in play all along, which, which is North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. And of those four states, Stephen, I've probably said this on your program, you know, three or four other times, but, you know, Donald Trump needs to win uh, at least three of those states. Uh, if, if Hillary Clinton wins two of those states, any two of those states, then it's, then it's virtually impossible for, him to, for, for Trump to win the election. And uh, his hope is to win North Carolina, Ohio, Florida, and then pick off some random blue state with Michigan now being the one that's in their crosshairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go back to the phones real quick before I let you go here, Tim Alberta. Fran in Dearborn Heights. Hi, how you doing? Good morning. How are you? Good, good. I'll be much better on Wednesday morning. (laughs) I think we all might be, Fran. (laughs) (laughs) If we get any sleep on Tuesday night, that is. Yes, exactly. It's going to be a, I'm throwing a party at my house. You all are invited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) that is very cordial of you, Fran, to invite us all over. I will be in the newsroom, of course. Some newsroom, either here or at the paper. Well, of course, if my candidate loses, then there's no party. The party's canceled. <laughs> and 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 who is your who is your candidate, Fran? 
Hillary Clinton. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, uh, I just want to say to the people listening out there, uh, Michiganders, please vote. Get out and vote. Yes. And please vote for the candidates that have the, the most likely chance to win. Don't waste your vote. Yeah. <laughs> go out to the polls and vote. Very important. Yeah, yeah. No, Fran, you're right. Uh, thanks very much for the call, and uh, maybe I'll drop by tomorrow, Fran. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Tim Alberta, chief political correspondent for the National Review. As always, thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me, and, and good luck to you and, and all of your listeners. I yeah. hope we all survive. Yeah, right. That's right. Uh, next time you're in Michigan, we'll have to catch up. You're an important Michigan native as well, so we always appreciate hearing from you. All right. Uh, up next, we're going to take a look at down-ballot races with Rick Pluta of the Michigan Public Radio Network, and we're going to stay on the phones, or I want you to stay on the phones. Tell me what word or a couple of words you're thinking about to, as you think about going to cast your ballot tomorrow. What is on your mind? 313-577-1019 is the number. Stay with us on Detroit Today. News, culture, community, every day on 1019 WDET, a different kind of public radio. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. We are talking all hour about the day before Election Day. Tomorrow, of course, we all go to the polls and finally make our decisions, cast our ballots in the national races, in the state races, and in the local races. And of course, we're getting lots of attention from the national campaigns. Uh, both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump have been in the state over the last few days. They're principal surrogates, uh, people like Bill Clinton, Mike Pence, uh, the governor of Indiana, who's the vice presidential candidate on the Republican side, they were all here. That's unusual for us here in Michigan. Normally by now, the race is considered over in Michigan, and they're off to other states that they think they need. But this year, they are still here trying to get our votes. Uh, it's exciting to see all of that uh, attention, of course, but we don't want to forget that there are some really important local races on the ballot as well. We've got some close congressional races that could decide to help decide the balance of power uh, in the House in Washington next year. And Democrats still hope to take control of the state house, even though their hopes there, I think, are maybe uh, going off into the the sunset. Uh, we'll also elect justices on Michigan's Supreme Court. Joining me now to talk about uh, the down ballot races is Rick Pluta. He's the state capitol bureau chief at the Michigan Public Radio Network. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. And uh, you did um, forget one critical surrogate who's in the Oh, who's today. that, Rick? I, I can't think of uh, his name. <laughs> um, he's the, I'll give you a hint. He's a black guy, right? White House. Yeah. Uh, Barack uh, Obama, I'm of course. I'm on my way to hear President Obama speak in uh, Ann Arbor. Oh, yes, uh, that's right. top-tier surrogate out there trying to... Uh, get out the vote for Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there again, another sign of the unusual nature of these last furious days of this campaign, yeah. the idea that the outgoing president uh, would come to town here in, in, in Michigan to stump for a Democrat. 
it's a little unusual. It's just not. It's, it's, just it's a not lot unusual. You really nailed it. That at the beginning of the cycle the, of of the presidential cycle, Republicans in Michigan always speak optimistically about making Michigan a true battleground state, but it never transpires. And yet here we are in the closing days of election 2016, and 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 finally that seems to be exactly what's happened. If you watch the. Uh, Sunday morning uh, talk shows yesterday that, that that discussions of Michigan were all over the place and wondering what might happen and uh, why this is, you know, why, you know, what makes this year different than uh, all the others. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, of course, you're going to see President Obama and, and that's all about the national race. But there's also an incredible amount of attention being focused on uh, on the down ballot races here, yeah. uh, we we still have some hot contests in in various places. Let's start with uh, Congress. The first, the seventh, and the eighth, eighth are the ones that that people are now talking about being in play. There again, we have a little bit of a surprise. The first, we know that's an open seat that used to be held. For a long time by a Democrat, a conservative Democrat, Bart Stupak, uh, it went yeah. uh, to to Republicans in in uh, uh, 2010, I believe, when uh, mm-hmm. when uh, Dan Beneshek won that race. We have right. two from the midst of a Republican primary and surprised everyone. That's right. That's right. Uh, this time we've got uh, two people uh, vying for that race, who's who both seem to have a pretty good chance. I'm I guess I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. In that race, former um, uh, former Democratic Party chair Lon Johnson is the mm-hmm. Democrat in that race, who I hear may have it wrapped up. But uh, on the other side of the of the ticket, uh, we we still we still have we still have action. Is that correct? The fact that that race is competitive at all is kind of surprising, even though on paper it should be. Um, Lon Johnson, he is pro-choice, which is not consistent with the district. Uh, he has ties to the Obama administration. He was once, uh, he is actually a presidential appointee that uh, one year he served as the Easter Bunny at the uh, White House uh, egg roll. And uh, his wife is uh, a fundraiser for Barack Obama. But uh, he's really made a, a race of it in part because the Republican nominee, um, who is also a surprise winner of, of the GOP primary, has turned out to be kind of a weak campaigner. But also that uh, Lon Johnson actually has the better um, score from the NRA, which really matters um, north sure. of Clare, which is sure. where the 1st Congressional District is. Yeah. Uh, we should uh, say that uh, Jack Bergman is the is the Republican candidate right. in that in that district. Uh, very Retired soon. Marine Lieutenant Colonel. Yes. Um, you know, that, that, that the resume is uh, is impressive for that district and and, and, and like Dan Benishek, considering the popularity of Donald Trump up there that he is underperforming yes yes uh, and, and like Dan Benishek, uh Jack Bergman is somebody who sort of surprised us in the primaries I mean you, you had two very well-known uh, Republican uh, office holders or former mm-hmm. office holders J- Jason Allen and Tom Casperson on the ballot former state senator and sitting state senator right. um, and uh, 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 Casperson from the Upper Peninsula, which is typically considered a benefit in um, the first congressional district, and uh, yeah, they were uh, they were caught by surprise. Although uh, early on, I, I you know uh, I've got to give Lon Johnson props that uh, 
he said watch Bergman. He, months before the election, predicted that's who he would be facing in November. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 7th District and the 8th Districts, I think, are less competitive, perhaps, uh, than, than, uh, than people may, may believe. But, but I want to I hear from you what you think is going on in those districts. Well, the 8th is kind of a surprise, so, but we'll return to that in a moment. The uh, 7th was one where people really had their eyes open because Tim Wahlberg is a very conservative Republican um, minister. Um, that district, uh, even though it's configured differently, more to the benefit of Wahlberg now, has been handed back and forth between Republicans and Democrats for, uh, you know, for a while. And Democrats really thought that they had a, a winner with uh, Gretchen Driscoll, uh, sitting state representative, former mayor of Saline, who's um, proven that, that she can campaign and fundraise. And so they thought that they uh, might be able to make a race of it, that she's um, hammering Wahlberg heavily on supporting trade deals, which, as we've seen in both um, the Republican and Democratic base, seem to be something of an issue yeah. in in uh, this uh, this election cycle um she's tried to uh, brand Wahlberg as trade deal tim uh, you, you see that uh um in the ads but um you know the polling would suggest that uh, it's still uh, Wahlberg's to lose yeah yeah and the eighth district uh, where mike bishop uh, is a freshman congressman trying to return mm-hmm. To Washington. The, the 8th District something of a surprise. The anchor of the 8th District, which goes from Oakland County all the way over to Ingham County and Lansing. Lansing yeah. But the anchor is northern Oakland County, which uh, Mike Bishop represented in the legislature in both the State House and the State Senate for a uh, very long time. And in many respects, it was almost drawn for him. However, what we're seeing in this election cycle is the, um, the jump ball voters seem to be educated white women. That is a demographic that in Oakland County, at least, typically breaks Republican. But with Donald Trump at the top of the ballot, they seem to be more of a uh, a more of a swing demographic. And so everybody's watching that group to see how they will perform on Election Day. And the fortunes of um, Mike Bishop and challenger uh, Suzanne Shkreli uh, may may rest on that group. Yeah, yeah. Um, but quickly, before we go to the phones, uh, where we've got lots of people who have words of the day that are on their minds mm-hmm. for Election Day, uh, talk about the chances that the Democrats take control of the state house. There was some uh, feeling earlier this year that Donald Trump, uh, his poor performance in Michigan, could catapult uh, some Democratic candidates uh, in, in close house, house districts mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to winning. I have heard less of that in the last month, I feel like. Well, look, it's, it's, um, it was always a heavy lift that Democrats would have to win nine seats that they currently don't have in order to gain the House majority. Um, it's been done before, but it's extremely unusual. Even Democrats have said that, that, it's a, uh, that, that that's a heavy lift. That said, there are between a dozen and 15 seats, which realistically could be called in play. And, um, and, and Republicans are defending more of them than Democrats. So really, the growth opportunity is on the Democratic side. And that said, because it's a presidential year when Democratic turnout is typically higher, that the expectation is that Republicans will lose seats and Democrats will gain seats. It's just a question of how many will move. I've heard from um, strategists on both sides that they expect that the uh, 
next House majority will probably be about 57 seats. So that's 57 out of 110. It takes 56 to make a majority. And that probably um, the decisive races will be determined by votes of, uh, you know, 200 votes or less. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to the phones here. We got lots of people want to talk about what's on their minds uh, 24 hours before they go to cast their ballots in the 2016 election. Let's go to Tina in Livonia. Tina, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm wonderful. My word is Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I love that man. And I want him to go in and clean house at the White House. Okay. So you are obviously going to vote for Donald Trump tomorrow. Uh, and that I, I love that that's the word on your mind even. Not uh, not change or clean out, uh, but Donald Trump, right? <laughs> Donald Trump, 100%. All right. Okay, Tina, I appreciate the call. Thanks uh, very much. Uh, let's go to Rob in Troy. Rob, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen. Hey, uh, Rick. It's good to talk to my former classmate at Telecom. Oh, Telecom. Look at that. MSU. <laughs> um, my word for uh, for this cycle has been crazy. Um, it's, it's absolutely, it's <laughs> I think that's crazy. a lot of people's words, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's it's crazy to to see the twists and turns, and and for me, it's crazy to think that anybody actually would support Trump. Um, the the question, the thing that I I would love to see discussed at some point is. Um, I never hear any talk about the uh, the votes, the Muslim population, and the Middle Eastern population in Michigan as being any kind of a factor in this race. Um, when it seems so clear that that uh, that should be a, a major part of the discussion, um, you know, the, given given the, yeah. uh, the constant barrage of insults that. Uh, um, Muslim families have had to endure uh, yeah. from from Trump, uh, and I don't know why that is. I don't know why it's not talked about. The other comment, if I may just yeah, make quickly say, um, I I think that I, I haven't heard anybody talking about what might be kind of an underlying anti-Republican wave uh, stemming from the the Flint crisis, but I know that's going to be a big issue uh, in the coming, you know, when the, the next gubernatorial in 2018, but, sure. Yeah. But it may be out there right now, too. Um, so anyway, that's those are my comments. Yeah, no, uh, thank you very much, Rob. I appreciate the call uh, and the thoughts. Pam in Southfield. Pam, welcome Hello. to Detroit Today. Hello, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Hi, I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good. Cool. What's on your mind? Um, well, I was going to thank, thank you because I have more than just uh, the word that I want to say. <laughs> Up until the lady who said she wanted to vote for Trump, and I'm glad she's excited about him, I was going to say hope. But the thing I wanted to say about what what I was going to do moving forward was um, is more along the lines of being responsible. And so I, my word for tomorrow is responsibility. And what I'm doing is to help me know who to vote for, choose my candidate up and down the ballot, I'm relying on the League of Women Voters um, newspaper, our hand, it's not really a handout, it's 71 pages yeah. or more. The voter guide. Help. It's the voter guide. Yeah, the voter right. guide they put out. Right, yeah. and so because I couldn't join you um, at the uh, Anchor Bar or in 
wherever you were out west. <laughs> We've been west. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, some of the places are closer to me. And I don't, you know, I don't live in Detroit, so uh, I have to think about local issues. Um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna go to the library, look up free press editorials, try to find all the information I could. And then when I found out at the library that the League of Women Voters puts out this guide, yeah. um, I went uh, and got it. And actually, um, the person who brought it to me was my mother, who works the election at 86 <laughs> and a half years old <laughs> and has cool. been doing it for years and years. And so she brought it to me. Um, even though I told her I was going to go get it myself. She yeah. brought it home. It, it, it really is it, it, the most comprehensive voter guide that I can think of off the top of my head. And, and my apologies to someone else or another group if they're putting out one that is as comprehensive or more. I'm just not thinking about it. But uh, I, I, I really do I really do have incredible awe for the, 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 the work that they're doing there. And, and it, is, it, it is, as you point out, if you want to know about uh, local races in particular – uh, they they provide really in depth information about uh, about those candidates, and of course there are other there are other voter guides out there. We have one at the Detroit Free Press, of course, uh, where we ask candidates to fill out questionnaires and things like that. Lots of other newspapers do it. Lots of other groups do it. But I do think the leagues uh, is is the sort of model, the prototype for the way to do it right. Um, so Pam, thanks very much for the call and. For the info there, um, let's go to Tim and Grand Blank. Tim, welcome to Detroit hey, today. Stephen, how are you hey, doing? Good, how are you? Good. Um, <clears throat> one thing I wanted to correct you on, I, I talked to you um, about a week or two ago. Um, Hillary Clinton, we, we discussed the issue about open borders. You said there's no way that's not true. That's misinformation. And I was almost laughed at by your guests, but it is true. In a WikiLeaks email on May of 2013, she addressed the Scottish Bank, and she made something like a quarter million dollars for the speech. She clearly stated that her dream is to have open borders and um, a regional, um, you know, trade economy. And then she mentioned something about energy, but it had nothing at all to do with the open borders. So well, I just wanted to put yeah, that I mean, up. I, you can look it up yourself. Uh, Tim, I, I, okay. I did go look it up after you called, and I, what, what I saw was she's talking about energy. I mean, you know, when you take a sentence out of context, as WikiLeaks is doing quite purposely in leaking these emails – um, uh, you you lose you lose the the perspective on what they're talking about. This was a speech where she's talking about energy policy. She's talking about trade. So she wants open borders with regard to those issues. That's not the same as saying open borders across across the board for immigration, for instance, which she was not talking about in that speech. Uh, so it's it's very difficult, Tim, when when people, again, and I, I'm not blaming you for this, I'm not angry at you for calling and saying it, I appreciate your calling back, uh, but but it's just not, it's just not so. Uh, this is, this is taking uh, a nugget out of, uh, out of context and making it seem like something that it's not. And we've seen a lot of that during this campaign cycle, it's very frustrating to have to keep pushing back. But again, uh, go and read more deeply about what she was doing, what she was talking about in that speech. Um, Tim, again, thanks very much for listening, and I really do appreciate your circling back and, and calling again. 
Uh, Rick Pluta, uh, let's talk a little more about what's going on in the state. Uh, we mm-hmm. have state Supreme Court races this time. Two justices uh, face re-election. Two positions. Uh, yes, two positions. That's right. Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah. sort of an open. But you have two incumbent justices who have decided they want to stay and they are seeking uh, reappointment or re-election to their seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, David Viviano and Joan Larson were both named by uh, Rick Snyder. We should point out that they are on Supreme Court justices are on the nonpartisan That's part right. of the ballot that if you vote a straight partisan ticket, Republican or Democrat, you're not casting a vote for a Supreme Court justice. Um, it, it's sort of interesting, even though those 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 positions are nominated by political parties. It's one of the oddities of the Michigan system is party conventions nominate candidates for the Supreme Court, but then they run technically as nonpartisan. Right, which, which is, is one of those weird Michigan sort I mean, it, of it, things. It's utterly bogus yeah. that they are, they are partisan positions, that you are expected to have you know, basically a Republican or a Democratic worldview on the court in order to, to, to be nominated. Right. So um, you know, they're, they're, they're just not non you know partisan uh, nonpartisan positions but what's interesting about the race to me what's most interesting is how uninteresting it's been that uh, these used to be positions that were fiercely fought out with um, you know not just the candidates but the parties and their surrogates um, the Republican Party and the insurance industry the Democratic Party and unions and the trial bar would spend lots and lots of money to get their candidates elected and right now it's being the election is being treated almost as a as a foregone conclusion yeah yeah we haven't heard or seen a lot of advertising or, or debate about those uh, about those races. Um, all right, Rick Pluta, it sounds to me like you are in Ann Arbor already. Uh, uh, I am. <laughs> and getting ready to see the President of the United States stump one last we're time. Trying, we're trying his... to fit in lunch. I don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure he said he'd do it, but we'll mm. see. Right. <laughs> all right. Rick Pluta, Capitol Bureau Chief for the Michigan Public Radio Network. As always, thanks for being here on Detroit oh, Today. As always, it's a pleasure, Steve. Absolutely. We'll talk to you after the election. See you on the other side. Uh, Up next, we're going to hear the final pitches for and against the RTA ballot questions. Stay with us on Detroit Today.